Good morning, and welcome to Monday Mornings. With Maddie and Morgan. I'm Maddie. And I'm Morgan. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Oh my gosh, you have a cat on your face. <laughs> yes, because she was about to walk into my microphone. Please stop. <laughs> Jeez, I asked her to sit down and she stood right up, so. <laughs> Close so enough. Great. Really good at listening, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired. Same. It's been a good week, but it's felt long. Yeah. It's a gloomy day out here today. It was yesterday here. It's like the perfect day at my house, but my house is a disaster, and my lovely partner, Tyler, has been away all week. (laughs) I was like, I should probably clean, (laughs) like... (laughs) Stuff that I've left out all week <laughs> before he gets home tomorrow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it's all good in the hood. I'm very excited to hear about today's episode. Yes. Okay, guys. Yeah, this week so. I'm really excited. She hyped it up. There's some background. <laughs> For this episode. It sounds like you hit a pot of gold with this. All right. Hold on. I have to move my microphone a little bit closer to me because otherwise I'm going to be turning too much. Oh, also, we just learned how to change our backgrounds on Skype. So, (laughs) yeah, Morgan is Shang-Chi right now. So, (laughs) oh, yeah, I didn't even see that because my little thing is so small. Yeah, that's why I have no clue what you're talking. I have no clue what mine is. Spaceship. That's fun. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So last week I thought to myself, hey, why don't I get a prison pen pal? Um, really? <laughs> you know, just wanted to, you know, give back or something. I don't know. Thought I was going to find like a nice white collar crime or something fun. Thought so you were going to say I thought I was going to find love. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I just wanted to find like a somebody that committed, like, tax evasion and was in there for life for something stupid like that. I don't know. But I opened up the Massachusetts Prison Pen Pal page. I really wanted to find someone that was, like, something fun. And all I found was the exact opposite. Every single dude that I clicked on and then Googled was rightfully in there for something fucking disgusting. (laughs) I warned. And one of them also, um, I think, was related to somebody in my high school, but more on that another time. Um, after about three awful rapists, I decided to check out the female prisoners. Um, and that's where I found Patricia Olson. Dun, dun, dun. So... On the morning of January 10th, 2005, Patricia Olson called 911 after finding her husband dead in the barn on their property. The scene looked as though Neil Olson, 48, had been trampled by his horse, Hannah, who was nervously pacing around his body. The police chief assumed Hannah kicked Neil in the head and then trampled him because of the condition of his skull. But after a second look, it was clear Hannah was incapable of such a horrendous feat and something more sinister had taken place. How dare you blame Hannah for that? Dear Lord. Oh, yeah. So we're recording this in two parts because there's a lot that happens in this case. You really hit the jackpot with this one. Oh, yeah. So I've heard this. I haven't heard this case, but I know versions of (laughs) stories that are similar that go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So this one is insane. This lady is... Very interesting. (laughs) I'm so excited. I can't believe you stumbled upon this. Yes. So we're doing this in two parts for us to record. It's going to be one episode. But so if it sounds weird halfway through, that will be why. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So also, I will talk more about Hannah later in the case during the investigation. But then also I do a follow up on Hannah because we love Hannah. Thank goodness. Yes. She really got thrown right under the bus. She really did. She really did. It's not very fair. 
Patricia Olson is currently serving a life sentence at the Massachusetts Correctional Institution at Framingham for killing her husband, but more on that later. She was born Patricia Lynette Hall on October 6, 1963 in Shaftesbury, Vermont, and attended Mount Anthony High, where she graduated at the age of 16. Don't worry, guys. Shaftesbury's literally nowhere near me. (laughs) But she graduated at 16, and this beginning part of the story is the only time I feel bad for her. Traumatic Um, childhood. Yeah, not really. I mean, she had, like, an okay childhood, but she graduates at 16 and was planning on going to college at Boston University. But the guy that she was dating convinced her to stay and settle down. She was then married at 18 and had her first child, a son named Christopher Robinson, at 21. Lady. (laughs) Yeah, and then had a daughter, Amanda, 18th mo- eight, 13 months later on February 2nd, 1986. She didn't even have time to learn that men ate shit. No. University is a really good school. Yeah. That's why I felt bad. I was like, honestly, fuck this dude. Like, she stayed, she graduated high school early. Like, she had so much potential. And then it all went downhill. Um, also, Christopher Robinson, like, way too close to Christopher Robin, which is the boy from Pooh Bear. Yes. And, and that's why we drank did a case that, was, that also had Christopher Robinson. Yes, so Christopher Robinson is Amanda Knox's husband's name. Right, okay. It's not like, the same Christopher Robinson, although I, I think they're very similar ages. I figured that wasn't the case, but I was like, mm. <laughs> I you know, know, I was literally like, had just done notes, like a lot of my notes for this. And then I was walking around in Boston this week and I had my headphones in and I was listening to that episode. And I was like, holy shit, another Christopher Robinson. Because <laughs> they literally talked about the exact same thing. They're like, oh, almost like Christopher Robin. I was like, yeah. when you were talking, I was like, this sounds familiar. <laughs> yep. When Chris and Amanda were young, their parents got divorced, and their father was given full custody. Because, yeah, which is very rare. Yeah. Um, but he got full custody because Patricia was unemployed and, at the time, essentially homeless because she was moving out of their home. Right. And she was only unemployed because she was a stay-at-home mom. So... so that doesn't count. Yeah, I feel like there should be, that shouldn't be the way things go. And I feel like it usually isn't the way things go. Yeah. But she moved back in with her mom after that and just really worked odd jobs for the next few years. In 1989, Pat, Patricia, sorry. Sometimes they called her Pat in some of the documentaries and articles I watched. Also, I got a lot of the information from Snapped. I think it was season 16, episode 13. (laughs) I was going to say this sounds like something Snapped would have or one of those or like Woman Who Kill or one of those. Yeah, (laughs) that was the next. There was like three and it was like Snapped. Um when women kill and then like killing for somebody else or something. It was like something weird. In 1989, Patricia ended up getting an office job in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, helping do the books for a local business. Uh, while working one day, she meets Neil Olson. Neil Olson is a local business owner in Lanesboro, Massachusetts. He owns a sign making shop. They meet one day when he came to her work to drop off a sign that he made. He, like, hand-painted signs. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. It was very interesting. I was like, damn. Um, and so, basically, the first part of that story, her life was in Vermont. Now the rest of the story is in Lanesboro and Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which are in the Berkshires, which is just the woods of Massachusetts, <laughs> essentially. The woods. All of the people in this area loved Neil, 
Um, he was just, they all said he was such a good guy. Everybody loved his signs. I read his obituary page and everybody said that he was the greatest guy and he was so easy to talk to. He owned a very nice big house on a big plot of land. And he also had a barn that was also his business. Like half of it was his sign shop. And then the other half was his home for Hannah. Oh, Hannah. There's a guy on TikTok that hand paints signs. And it's like so fascinating to watch. They're so pretty. His hand is so steady. I could never. No. (laughs) I'd be like, what? He's way too much. (laughs) Yep. Patricia and Neil start dating, and they ended up getting married five years after they meet on their property in 1994. She helps out with his business doing the books, because she had been previously doing the books at the company she was working for. And she helps, and he ends up helping her fight for the custody of her children. For a while, she was only seeing Chris and Amanda on the weekends, but eventually they were granted custody in 1998 when the kids were 12 and 13. At first, they loved having the kids around, but it turns out they weren't the most well-behaved children. Once, Neil found Chris trying to light a fire behind the house under the propane tank for the home. Yeah. So a little psychopath. (laughs) Little dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) Patricia had a hard time punishing them and, like, really parenting them because she was so used to being the fun weekend parent that she never really adjusted to actually parenting them. So this made Neil have to pick up a lot of the slack. And although the kids say he was a good guy, his punishments were a little bit interesting. When they caught Amanda smoking in her room, and also I think they said that she was smoking at school, he took her bedroom door off its hinges. Great. Yeah, which... Honestly, I know, like, a bunch of people whose parents did that when they were teenagers. I've heard of that, yeah. For slamming the door. (laughs) Yep. You can't slam the door. Um, I was an angel child, so that never happened to me. What? I was an angel child, so that never happened to me. Oh, yeah. Same. But there was one instance where he made Chris dig a, like, huge hole. And then when Chris was like, all right, I'm done, he was like, okay, now you fill it. So he just, like, dug a hole and then had to fill the hole back up. And then another time he made the kids, like, regrade the driveway. Which, like, what? It was just a lot of weird punishments that didn't make any sense. That is strange. So Chris was also, like, a really, really bad student. Um, (laughs) And they basically, as a family, decided that he should drop out of high school (laughs) and start working instead. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, like, get him a tutor or something. (laughs) I know. I was like... Maybe if they get a therapist, like, do something. like, solution, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It was different times, I guess. I guess. Yeah. So, Chris drops out of school in his junior year of high school, but he cannot. So close. (laughs) I know. I was like, just, just let him finish. Like, just do it. But. I guess he drops out during his junior year of high school, but he cannot hold a job for the life of him. Not even at his mother's own restaurant. Great. Oh, so Pam is, or Patricia is a chef, too? Yes. Oh, yeah, because uh, she now owns a seafood restaurant called Mrs. O's because Neil bought it for her. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Also, like, interesting place for a seafood restaurant, but whatever. 
Chris worked at his mom's place for a few weeks before they let him go because he was just terrible at his job and would, like, do drugs instead. Yeah. Classic. (laughs) This was about the same time that Neil kicked him out of the house for doing drugs and drinking. In October of 2004, Chris was essentially homeless, sleeping in motels, at the restaurant, and living out of his car. Amanda had also been kicked out and left by this time. She was caught with coke by Neil. Great. Yes, so she was kicked out, and she had moved over the border into the state of New York into an apartment with her boyfriend. Now, going back to the crime at hand, Neil's murder. Okay. On January 10th, 2005, it originally looked as though Neil's beloved horse was responsible for his demise. After his first inspection of the scene, the police chief called the coroner to retrieve the body and brought Patricia back to the house for a statement. So when the police office, the police chief first saw the scene, he was like, oh, wow, it does look like that horse. Because the horse is pacing back and forth and she looks so nervous in the corner and like upset. And Pat looked distraught, obviously. So he was like, oh, well, the horse must have just done this, like, must have kicked him and then, like, stomped on him by accident. Like, it's possible. Like, a horse does have the power to do that. So he's like, oh, yeah, must have been the horse. And she was like, that's so sad. It must have been the horse. They go back to the house and he takes her statement. And she said that she last had seen Neil that the night before at 11 p.m. when he went down to the barn to feed and... Um, they called it bed down Hannah, which I guess was just like putting her to bed. <laughs> I don't know, farm terms. <laughs> I'm just picturing I'm just picturing him like reading her a bedtime story. Yeah. <laughs> I was picturing him like laying her down on a little mattress and like putting a blanket on her and like she's got one of those like sleep hats. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Good night, moon. <laughs> yes. I was like, this is so wholesome. But so she says that last time she saw him was when he went to go feed Hannah at night, um, which he did every night at the same time. She also added that she took three Tylenol PM that night and did not wake up until the morning. Yep. When she (laughs) woke up, Neil was not in bed, but this was also normal because he was usually up early to go down to the barn where his sign business was and he would like go say hi to Hannah, and then, like, go paint some stuffs. Make her breakfast. (laughs) Go paint some things. Yep. (laughs) Wake her up, get her dressed, get her on the school bus. (laughs) It sounds like he liked Hannah more than he liked Pat. (laughs) I think he may. I think he did, and I think she was honestly jealous of the horse. And We're also fabricating quite a story between Neil and Hannah, so... But watch the Snapped episode later because they literally, like, make this relationship between Neil and Hannah. Like, it's a very serious relationship. (laughs) My strange addiction. (laughs) Dating horses. (laughs) Yup. So, the next morning, Patricia gets out of bed. She made herself some coffee, and she called the restaurant, like she does every morning, to make Neil's breakfast sandwich. Once someone came and delivered the sandwich to the house, she would walk it down to the barn. And that is when she saw Neil's corpse. She dropped the sandwich and ran back inside the house to call 911. That's a waste of a breakfast sandwich. I know. I was also like, did she actually drop it? The cop should check. And did they also do that every morning? Because poor employee that has to make her a breakfast sandwich and bring it to the house. I know, I was like, just get the fucking ingredients and make it yourself. It's It's not hard to make a bacon, egg, and cheese. (laughs) (sighs) Yep. So, after taking her statement, the cop goes back down to the barn to wait for the coroner to arrive. He's looking around the scene when he notices a few things. First, he realizes that Hannah is an old girl and that she definitely couldn't have kicked Neil's in, Neil in the head because she could barely even kick her leg. Mm. 
Yep. <laughs> well, first mistake right there. <laughs> yeah. He also, looking at Neil, realizes his pant pockets are turned inside out. And um, last time I checked, horses are not the best pickpockets. No, I don't have thumbs. No. So he's starting to really think that something's fishy going is going on when he finds about nine shell casings from a twenty-two caliber. Yep. And Once again, horses don't have thumbs. They can't shoot a gun. Well, that's my next line. Oh, is sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the investigators says horses don't shoot guns. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw <laughs> in Massachusetts. <laughs> Howdy, little lady. Yep. So that is gonna be the title of this episode. Um <laughs> True. So the cop can't see any obvious gunshot shot wounds in the victim, but they are in a barn, so he's not sure at the time that the casings are from the murder or, you know, if they're just laying around because barns. <laughs> it's, it's safe to assume they could just be there. <laughs> More cops arrive on the scene later to investigate when they find some fresh human tracks in the snow. They were literally footprints from behind the barn to a wooded section of the property where laying in the snow was a bloody pipe. Pat's a literal idiot. Yeah. (laughs) So at this point, the state troopers are brought in and they go talk to Patricia and she is crying and cursing the horse, saying that she wants it destroyed. (laughs) I'm sorry, don't spit your water everywhere. (laughs) You're good. (laughs) She wants it destroyed. (laughs) I was watching the Snapped episode, and they were like, she wanted the horse destroyed. And they said it so many times, and I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) So, I don't know why they kept saying destroyed, and it really made me feel like they were going to blow up the horse or something. Dynamite. It was very weird. But do not worry, Hannah was not harmed, but she did have a bit of emotional trauma from seeing her human be brutally murdered. Of course she did. Yeah. She was relocated to a nearby equine shelter, um, and she was the only eyewitness of the murder, but sadly, she could not testify because she is a horse. (laughs) Yet, she is, alas, she's still a horse. (laughs) Yup. Not top thumbs and does not speak. (laughs) But again, I will talk more about Hannah later because they I do have updates from the shelter. <laughs> um, they asked Patricia if Neil had any enemies or if she knew of anyone who could have done that because at this point they still don't think that Patricia has anything to do with this. Um, they think that it was like an intruder that came and killed him or something. Oh, because poor Patricia could never do something like that. Yeah, she like really talks herself up. The only person that she could think of was an old friend of his that had done work on the restaurant and they were suing this friend because they thought the friend overcharged them for the work he did. So cops were like, that doesn't really seem to be a motive. So we're going to move on. (laughs) Also doesn't seem like a reason to sue someone. Yeah. (laughs) something to sue somebody for like couldn't that be done in like an email or yeah or like conversation yeah you don't need to sue someone you can just have a lawyer like converse with them but also like if you already paid them and you agreed to that price odds are you're not going to get your money back right chances are there was some sort of handshake contract involved yeah so With no solid leads, investigators asked the public for help. A tip from a friend of Christopher's said that over the summer, Chris had been talking about killing Neil, but he hadn't thought anything of it at the time. The friend claimed that the idea to kill Neil had actually come from Patricia 
and that she had asked Chris to kill Neil for her. The friend had also seen a twenty-two caliber rifle in his possession. Why was this friend not concerned about that? Because I think he, they were just kind of like hanging out in the summer and he was like, I'm going to kill me. Like, I'm going to kill my stepdad. And he was like, okay, yeah, whatever you say. Yeah, I guess. I guess Chris was like a huge big talker, but like not a big doer. So, (laughs) and that is where I will leave Morgan. Welcome back, Morgan. I hope everybody had a nice little five-second pause. Um. (laughs) You have a snack, ready to buckle up for the rest of this roller coaster. Oh, yeah, because we're just jumping right back in. I'm so excited. All right. So, Neil's autopsy confirmed that he had been shot in the head seven times. Holy shit. Yes, there are bullets from a twenty-two in his head. And then he was beaten with a pipe in the head to presumably cover up the gunshot wounds and possibly place blame on Hannah. That was going to be my question, but you answered it right there. Yep. I was like, gunshot wounds and horse kicks do not look the same. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, they just... The head... Like, I already said how they found that pole just, like, in the snow behind the barn and I mean like he was basically unrecognizable after when the police got there and so that's why they just assumed that he was kicked in the head by the horse and then stomped out because like you didn't see any gunshot wounds to his head so why would you think it was anything else right yeah so police end up tracking down Chris to a motel He opens the door and is wearing bloody clothing and looks pretty nervous. So they obviously bring him in for questioning. (laughs) You guys can't see it, but Morgan's face is just like... (laughs) Just hands on her face going, what the fuck? (laughs) You couldn't even at least change your clothes? Come on. Yeah. Um, I have theories about that later, but we'll get to it. Um, so obviously they bring him in for questioning and he denies knowing anything or having anything to do with his stepfather's death. (laughs) Of course, because why would you? Just just got bloody clothes on and you're in town for what reason? (laughs) So Chris also made it seem as though he had absolutely no motive to kill Neil. He said that although he was a strict guy and they didn't get along all of the time, that he was a good guy. And he felt that felt very bad that this had happened to him. And uh, police obviously still just didn't believe Chris. <laughs> and Yeah. Like, you picked the kid up in bloody clothing. And he had been talking about killing this guy to one of his friends. So, like, it's really not hard to put two and two together. And you know how, like, there's always that, I mean, neither of us have divorced parents, but, like, in movies, there's always, like, the step-parent is, like, the evil, or, like, there's contention between the kid and the Mm step-parent. And, I mean, considering, like, it's a theory that gets brought up later, but she kind of blames it on them being mad that she let them get kicked out by Neil, which, like... Yes, but also, like, is that actually a motive to kill somebody? No, not if you're (laughs) mentally stable. (laughs) So. We've already determined nobody in this story is mentally stable except for Hannah. Yeah. Good old Hannah the horse. (laughs) He does end up confessing to the murder, but he also adds that he did it to protect his mother and that he had acted alone. He said that Neil had been beating his mom and that she had complained about it to him on multiple occasions, telling police that he had to protect his mother, but that she had nothing to do with the murder. They arrest Chris for the murder of Neil Olson. 
Chris tells them where to find the gun. He literally draws them a map to where it is. Um, and it just happens to be in a culvert on or by the Olsen's property. <laughs> then, because they're already on the property, police march on over to the house and tell Patricia that her son had just been arrested in the murder of her husband. She starts to act really strange. She seems a little bit nervous to the cops and is going on and on about how Chris is a known pathological liar. (laughs) And they're like, weird, because he told us that he did it alone. Like, why are you being so sketch? (laughs) Right. A little sus there, Pat. Yeah. So they hadn't shared any of his statement with her, so she had absolutely no clue what he had told him, told them. Mm -hmm. And it was just... Basically, he was just arrested and he had confessed. But So at this point, investigators really believed that Patricia had something to do with Neil's death. But Chris was sticking to his solo crime story. So they decide to talk to Amanda. Amanda had come back to her mom's house just after the murder to be there for everything. And she was first questioned on January 8th, so eight days after Neil was found. She told police that she was shocked by the whole situation. She said that Pat had absolutely nothing to do with it. Amanda also told investigators that her stepfather was an okay guy and that she thought his punishments were a bit weird, but that her and him had an okay relationship and that Pat and Neil definitely had a very fine, totally normal, great relationship. That sounds like one of those things where people include too much detail because they're fucking lying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, they asked her about the relationship, so that's why she said it was fine, but still, like, you could have at least, like, supported your brother. Okay, Morgan's wearing a green shirt, so every time she leans over a little little bit, it changes from a green shirt to grass in the background that she picks on (laughs) Skype. (laughs) Surprise, I just record naked. (laughs) A floating head in some grass. (laughs) But yeah, so there's a bit of some conflicting stories going on. So investigators are like, what the fuck, dude? They're just like, we really need to, It's we know it's not just Chris, like, we need to pin this on somebody else, too. Like, they're not trying to pin it on somebody else, but they're like, we need to figure out the whole story. Right. They can, I'm, it seems like they can tell that everybody's bullshitting them. Yeah, I wrote, they don't believe any of these three boobs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, turns out Amanda's boyfriend at the time was in jail in New York State. Nice. (laughs) So they hit up the New York State Police and Massachusetts State Cops are like, hey, guys, want to give us some help here? And obviously, as a prisoner, uh, all of your phone calls are recorded. So (laughs) it says it right on the thing. Yeah. So (laughs) this call is recorded. (laughs) I have some quotes and it's funny because it's like they're obviously like not saying things to be, like, not specific, but, like, if you look at the dates and times, it's so obvious what they're talking about. (laughs) So, they send over the phone recordings from calls between Amanda and her boyfriend, and they're like, hey, can you send these over? And New York State Police are like, of course, bestie, we got you. Send all that over. And because... Yes, they do record all of these phone calls, so lucky for them. The recordings are a jackpot. Mm-hmm. On the day of January 9th, which is the day of Neil's murder, there's a phone conversation between Amanda and her boyfriend. And you can hear her saying, quote, that thing, my brother said it would happen tonight. <laughs> Considering what happened that night, it's pretty safe <laughs> to assume what she was talking about. <laughs> They weren't talking about making a lasagna. (laughs) That thing? That lasagna? (laughs) Like, what? Um, And then in that same recording, Amanda says, quote, my mom said, if it doesn't happen, she's just gone. 
which is just what the cops needed to add Pat's involvement. So the cops end up going over to New York State to visit Amanda at her place. They also have a phone recording from after the murder of her and her boyfriend talking, and he's basically like, you should tell the police everything that you know so you don't get in trouble. (laughs) Because he's like, yo, you can get charged just for knowing, which is true. Inspiring. (laughs) Yep, and also, like, lying to the cops about not knowing anything about it. Accessory to murder. Yeah, so when they go down to New York, she eventually fully just tells them everything. So on February 2nd, 2005, Amanda tells investigators that Patricia had asked her on many occasions to help find somebody to kill Neil. She really wasn't keeping this a secret. No, she (laughs) just wait. It gets worse. Oh, my God. She said that her mom came to her. She thinks specifically because her boyfriend was currently serving time in prison and that she was known to have friends that were some type of seedy characters. <laughs> Amanda says... self-aware. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amanda's like, yeah, I knew these kind of sketchy people, but I would never have said yes to this. She basically thought that her mom was just, like, kind of just, like, joking around... I guess that, like, her mom would just be like, oh, do you know anybody up for the job, blah, blah, blah. And Amanda was like, I never would have helped out with anything along these lines. And it was never something she thought that her mom was, like, actually serious enough to go through with. She thought that she was just kind of bitching about her husband. You know, you never really think that somebody is actually going to do stuff like that. I don't know. Then again, I also don't know many people that joke about homicide. Seriously. Good. <laughs> just me. Obviously. I mean, like, I do, but that's just like, uh, I'm going to kill customers if they keep entering because I'm literally just trying to sit here and do nothing. <laughs> as a figure of speech, not as a, I'm literally going to murder these customers. Yeah. <laughs> like, I saw a TikTok the other day and it was like, I'm going to commit a side today. Don't know if it's going to be a homo or a sua. <laughs> <laughs> and same. <laughs> so, Amanda is unwilling to help her mother find a hitman. So, Patricia turns to Christopher for support. She ends up giving him cash to buy gun and masterminds the entire plan. After Neil's death, Amanda calls her mother, freaking out about possibly getting in trouble. And Patricia reassures her not to worry, because Chris will end up taking all of the blame. This bitch! Holy shit! (laughs) And it's pretty safe to see, because I'm pretty positive that Pat was the one who hid the pipe, which was, like, just in plain sight. Like, Yeah, I was gonna say, wasn't it just, like, behind the barn? <laughs> like, some snowy footprints, like, fresh yeah. tracks in the snow took you to a wooded, like, a pipe right by some, like, trees. Are these people all on meth or something? Like, are they this stupid? You'd think, but I don't think that they were doing meth. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and then also... Him wearing the bloody clothing. You would have had to have been told to keep that on. Like, why would you still be wearing that? You're not that stupid, honey. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. So, apparently, Patricia used to watch a lot of true crime shows. So, she told her daughter, don't worry, because she knows what she's doing. Um... (laughs) We both... Watch a lot of true crime shows. <laughs> to a lot of crime podcasts. And let me say, if I were going to murder somebody, I do know how I would dispose of the body. And she really could have done a better job. <laughs> she, like, could have done a better job just setting her own son up. Like, honey. 
Apparently she wasn't paying attention. No. <laughs> she had way too much of a motive, which we will get to. I was hoping we would get to that. Oh, yeah. So she had set her own son up to take the fall for literally everything. That's so rude. Super nice. After Amanda's statement, police officers go and arrest Patricia in Massachusetts. And they charge her with planning and conspiring her husband's murder. There was plenty of evidence pointing to Chris. And it was also really just starting to look like Patricia had just set everything up and had it look like Chris was the one who killed Neil and put the blame on the horse. (sighs) On top of her statement implicating her mother in the crime, Amanda also testified against her at the trial. She, as she enters the courtroom, she turns to her mother and mouths, I'm so sorry, and then proceeds to tell her story. Because, I mean, I think that she didn't think her mom was ever going to actually go through with it. And then when she actually did, like, obviously you're going to save your own ass, but you're still, like, going to feel bad because you're putting your own mother in prison. But, like... Dude, maybe just don't murder people. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So, according to Amanda, Pat had been talking and planning on killing Neil for over a year before his murder. Holy shit. Yeah. So premeditated, premeditated. <laughs> yeah, so, like, more premeditated than just, like, a, oh, I'm so over this. Like, yeah, get rid of him, like a few weeks, whatever. She also adds that she was getting very tired of her mom constantly talking about finding a way to kill Neil. She just wanted to have a regular mother-daughter conversation. Oh my god. Which I feel a little bit bad about because at this time her kids were like early, like I think Chris was like 20 and so she was like 19 like they were not that old right and they had been kicked out of the house yeah and like they had they didn't have like a rough childhood but like their parents were divorced like they lived with their dad for most of their childhood and they moved in with mom then they got kicked out so like if you're gonna have a conversation with your mom you don't want it to be about the guy who kicked you out and how she wants to kill him and you're just like very cool (laughs) Pat clearly has several screws that are loose. (laughs) Yeah. That causes some trauma on your children. And I don't mention it later, but Pat's mom is, like, fully believes that she is innocent. And that, like, the kids did it. It is wild. Yeah. But, I mean, whatever. Christopher also testifies against his mother in trial because he finally comes around. They were able to flip him by offering him murder in the second degree, which would allow him parole after 15 years, meaning that he could be out by the time that he was 36. So he could, in theory, still have a full life after he was out. Yeah, which is good because I feel like he's really stupid and just kind of like got caught up in this. Um, also at the time of the murder, Chris had an infant daughter with an ex-girlfriend, so that definitely made (laughs) pleading guilty and testifying against his mother an easy choice, because you'll get out in 15 years, your kid will only be 15, 16. Sounds a lot better than missing the first, like, 25 to entire life. Yeah, and sounds a lot better than having your mother request you to help her kill her up. Husband. (laughs) Choose your trauma. Choose your adventure. (laughs) Exactly. So, Chris was their star witness. Of course. Yeah, he confirmed everything that Amanda had said about their mother. He testified that he only agreed to kill Neil because he thought that his mom was in danger. She had been telling him for so long that he was being physically abusive and all of this stuff, and he believed his mom, which, I mean... It seems like, like, why wouldn't he? Yeah, you should believe victims when they tell you that they're being abused, and this woman is just a piece of shit for using 
domestic violence that wasn't occurring to get rid of her husband. Right. Super great. So, unfortunately, this was a huge lie. There was no evidence that Neil was ever abusive towards Pat or anybody else. Um, There was never any police involvement and never any reports to anyone other than Chris that Neil was abusive. And yes, obviously, just because there were no police reports doesn't mean that there was no domestic violence. But in this case, it's safe to assume that she was lying and... Yes, so, yes, a lot of victims don't aren't able to report it or don't get believed, but this lady was a flat-out liar, so, yes. A liar that claimed her son was a pathological liar. I know, can you imagine, like, you're, like, just pretend that your husband was actually murdered and you don't know anything about it. The police come in and tell you that your son was the murderer. All you say is, well, he's a pathological liar. Bro, so weird. if you're trying to pin it on him, act upset. <laughs> I don't know, like, not telling you how to murder, but, like, at least do a little bit of a better job. <laughs> Jeez. So, Chris tells the court that she had promised both kids that they would be allowed to move back into the home once Neil was gone. And also that... Um, the ex-girlfriend and the baby could also move in. He also includes all of the gruesome details of the night of Neil's death. He says that Pam had told him about his nightly routine of putting Hannah to bed at 11 p.m. every day. So that's where he sat and waited in the barn and ambushed him, shot him seven times in the head, and then bashed his head in with the pipe. Then he went inside afterwards to tell Patricia that the job was done. And she said... Okay, bye. So great. Love it. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Yep. So if Patricia wasn't being beaten by her husband, what was her motive for having him killed? Yes, that's what I'm wondering. (laughs) We all are. (laughs) Other than being a fucking crazy lady. Well, one theory was that she was very upset with him and wanted her kids back at home. But considering how quickly she let Chris take the fall for everything, I don't think that was the reason. And that is something that can be done in a conversation and not yeah. from a murder. Or a divorce. Like, I doubt they had a prenup. She could get half of his stuff. Like, it's not anything crazy. Another is that she really just hated the fucking horse. <laughs> Don't blame this on the horse, lady. I know. Um, Investigators argue that the motive was financial. As I mentioned earlier, Pat had been doing the books for both of their businesses, but apparently was not very great at it. And also, her restaurant was pretty fucking terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Not surprising. Yeah, in the Snapped episode, they call her restaurant a money pit. Um, Just literally just eating all of their money. Like, wasn't doing well at all. So, she secretly borrowed $45,000 from her brother-in-law to avoid their home going into foreclosure. Oh my god. Yeah, which I was like, who? How? I was like, did I mishear it? Was it actually 4500 I don't know. But, wild. So she didn't tell Neil this. And it was getting harder for Pat to hide this. And it was getting harder for her to hide the fact that they were struggling financially. So this is where it gets, like, very much um, family annihilator type situation Mm -hmm. where it's normally a man who kills his family because of financial issues or wanting a new wife type of thing. And I was like, very interesting because normally the pathology is, like, always men that commit those types of murders but now we got a lady doing it so there you go pat on january 7th so two days before his murder neil was pulled over when an officer informed him that he did not have car insurance anymore due to non-payment 
And for those of you who do not know, out or like are outside of Massachusetts, anybody who has a car registered in the state of Massachusetts, you need to have car insurance. It's like literally on your registration on the top or like on top of your car registration. It literally has a little thing being like map free because that's who overall insures and takes care of everything for cars and stuff in Massachusetts. So, yeah, super weird. Your car is always insured in Massachusetts. Um, (laughs) And also super weird because his wife was supposed to be paying all of their bills. And as this is a common bill for any everybody, it should be paid. So he's thinking, what the heck? Must be a mistake. Neil had literally no idea why his car insurance hadn't been paid, and Pat was afraid that he would find out the real reasons. Pat had not been paying the car insurance, but don't worry, she had been paying his life insurance. You're answering all my questions. (laughs) Yep. So, after his death, Pat would receive around $75,000 from his life insurance, and That's she would not get, even enough for it to be worth it. Yeah, and then she would get another $100,000 from his retirement. So with that much money, she could pay off all of their debts that she got them into and then start a new life with her kids. No big deal. So, Just down a husband. Clearly she didn't love her husband. <laughs> no, and also like $175,000 is not enough money to kill somebody over. In theory, no amount of money yeah. would be enough money to kill somebody over. In theory. But I'm also saying, like, it's not like he had, like, a million-dollar life insurance policy out on him. Like, $175,000 will get you a long way, but also, like, we're also talking about Massachusetts. Like, that won't buy you a house. Well, and if she has a massive amount of debt, she owes her brother right forty five thousand dollars yeah and i'm sure if she hasn't been paying their bills they have plenty of debt to deal with there yeah and then interest and then the restaurant yeah during her trial patricia tried to make herself come across as a distressed housewife who loves and misses her husband of 10 years she claimed that and still claims to this day that she had nothing to do with Neil's death. She said that her children were blaming her for letting Neil kick them out of the house and that they were mad that she chose him over them. Oh my god. Yeah. You fucking river, Patricia. Oh yeah. Fucking Patricia. So that was um, also her mom's whole theory. Anytime her mom is asked about it, she's like, those kids, they did this, like... Blah, blah, blah. Like, my poor daughter. She's innocent. I hope my grandparents think better of me than that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. So much for family. (laughs) I also hope that my grandparents think more highly of my parents than that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, on May 23rd, 2006, Patricia Olson had been charged with conspiracy and masterminding the murder of her husband. She was found guilty of murder in the first degree and kept repeating, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, over and over again. Which, like, saying it more won't manifest it. You already did it. (laughs) That makes me think of in the Polar Express when they play that. (laughs) Like, the video of the kid. I didn't do it! small child on repeat like yeah yeah, that's what I was thinking about I was like all right grow up Pat Pat also I can't did you ever see Split yeah I just can't stop thinking about the that wasn't me that was Patricia (laughs) oh my god you unlocked a memory (laughs) forgot about that part this case is just hitting all of the points for me I was listening to a podcast the other day, I can't remember which one it was. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about Split. Oh. And I love that movie. And they were talking about how terrible it was. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I love that movie. I just have issues with the fact that he, like, made a whole super criminal based on 
a mental disorder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I get, I like the just the movie in general. Oh yeah, I like that. There's like this weird creature that like eats. I don't, I don't know. It's everybody should go watch that movie. It is very good. So Pat was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Christopher Robinson, her son, <laughs> pled guilty to murder in the second degree two weeks after and was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole in 2021. So after his parole hearing on December 17th, 2019, and a few COVID delays, Chris was found to be rehabbed in June of 2020. And he would be paroled to the Interstate Compact, which I have no clue what that is, um, with special conditions after 18 months of good behavior in a decreased security facility. So I couldn't find official information, but I'm pretty sure that Chris is out or at least getting out very soon because it is 2021 now. But really? couldn't find what? <laughs> no, I yeah. was being mean. <laughs> I said, really? No, it just glitched when you said that, so I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> oh, but yeah, a lot of the most of the recent most recent information was from like 2013, 2015, but as of 2019, 2020, he was getting paroled after 18 months of good behavior, which is great. Um, I do feel bad for Neil's family. They did um, argue at his parole hearing that he should be in there forever, which if your loved one is murdered by somebody, I understand, but also you have to understand that this was not the brightest bulb in the box. And <laughs> seems like he never also had a chance with Patricia as a mother. Yeah, he really thought that he was doing something good and helping her out. So I do feel bad, and I do think that he did serve his time, and hopefully he can live a better life now that he's no longer with his mother. In 2008, Pat's um, appeal for her conviction was upheld by Massachusetts Supreme Court of Appeals because... We all know you did it and planned it and forced your child to do it and then tried to blame it on the horse and your kids. Row up. <laughs> Row up. That same year, she also lost a wrongful death suit to Neil's family, and she is supposed to pay his family a million dollars, but so far they have been given 178000 from Neil's retirement and life insurance, as well as the $300,000 from the sale of their house and property. So his family has gotten almost half of what they owe, are owed, but they still will never probably see over half a million dollars that she owes them because she will never be out of prison. Yeah, that's how it usually goes. Yeah. Any lawsuits, not just... Yeah. Or any, yeah, court cases. Yeah. Well, that's the story. I am now going to read you her prison pen pal ad. Oh, yes. And then I will give you a little bit of um, information on Hannah's life after Thank Neil. Goodness. Yeah. So here is Patricia Olson's prison pen pal basic ad. <clears throat> I've been incarcerated since 2005. I never imagined being in prison, let alone for life. I was offered a 10-year sentence, but declined. In the end, I was given life with no parole. I couldn't find any information on that, so I have no clue if she's just, like, fucking lying or if there was actually, like, she was originally offered a plea deal if she, like, confessed, which she probably was, but considering she was like, no, no, I had nothing to do with it, whatever. Well, Maddie, didn't you know? She's a pathological liar. <laughs> <laughs> Covering to prison has required me to change who I was. In here, you toughen up grow a thick skin, and keep your opinions to yourself. I miss being myself and having serious conversations. About killing my husband. Um, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I stay busy by working full-time and drawing. When college classes are going on, I tutor algebra. I used to own a restaurant, so I try to be creative with the microwave and our limited canteen. 
<laughs> Which just makes me think she's, like, making ramen with, like, sriracha on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm loyal and someone who will always give an honest answer, even if I know that's not what you want to hear. I'm a good listener and will not judge. If you're looking for a friend, I hope you write. I have email access, but you have to sign up and check the account for my responses. Take care and be safe. You the should end. definitely write with her. I don't think I want to. You might get murdered. I might. That's terrible. Yeah. No, no, it'll be in there forever. So. I know. Um. Okay. So now, a little bit about our girlfriend, Hannah. Hannah. So, early pop was a harness racehorse at all points before Neil took her into his care. Um, he cared with her with meticulousness and had extremely up-to-date and, ex- like, well-done vet records. And she had any and all shots that she could possibly need, even ones that she didn't need, considering where she was and everything. Um, after Neil's death, she went and lived at Little Brook Farm, which is an equine sanctuary. And the woman who was running it was like, oh, she was such a lovely horse coming in. And she was so afraid at like all different noises and stuff and was afraid of being in barns for a while. But she quickly adjusted and was a very lovely and loving um, horse. Hannah even had a special little door from her barn that went into his office so that she could peek her head in to say hello every day. so cute. Yeah, so honestly, I think Pat is a piece of shit because she had her husband Mm -hmm. murdered and made her child do it. But then she also framed the horse and then tried to have the horse destroyed. (laughs) Luckily, the cops were homies and called this equine shelter because they were like, oh, she really wants this horse killed. And most of the time they'd be like, oh, whatever, like, we don't have to deal with it. But they called and said, we need an emergency placement for this horse. And within 24 hours, this sanctuary came and took her and gave her a new loving home thank goodness yeah so considering it is 2021 and this took place in 2005 i say it's safe to assume that hannah is no longer with us Uh, Uh, yeah they were saying she was an old horse to be like in 2005 then i would also assume so yeah um, but it's safe to say that she lived out the rest of her days happy and well cared for. Well, yeah. Well not cared. destroyed. Yeah, not destroyed. Fucking rude. Like, seriously? Ugh. I don't understand why Pat felt the need to tell the cops that it was the horse, but then also try and pin it on her son. I know. I mean, like, I get that when they don't do that, but you could have just not hid the pipe so obviously. If you just picked up those shell casings and hadn't turned his pockets inside out, nobody would have ever thought anything. They wouldn't even have done an autopsy. They would have just cremated him. So. Not so smart. No. For somebody who graduated college at 16, not the brightest. That was a wild ride. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope that everybody enjoyed this. I definitely would be down to do another Prison Pen Pal episode at some point. It was a wild ride. And they will be sticking to the yes. ladies. Because. <laughs> oh. But. Yeah. Well, thank you. Of course. And, as always, stay tuned next Monday and every Monday for new episodes. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're currently listening. We're on Instagram uh, at Monday Mornings Pod, on Twitter at Monday Mornings P, and we have a Facebook page, but we don't really use it. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> if you have questions or topics that you'd like to have covered in a future episode, please hit us up because we are accepting suggestions, especially for spooky times. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also email us at Monday Mornings Pod at gmail.com. And if you liked our episode, you know the deal. Rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe. It really does help. Yeah. Share us with your friends. That too. Have fun. Live, laugh, love. Start your Monday mornings the right way with Maddie and Morgan. XOXO. Gossip Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.